We all know that SUV sales are booming. One of the consequences is that passenger car sales are tending to decline. The biggest segment in the Australian market at the moment is what we would call the small-medium category that includes the two top-selling vehicles, the Toyota Corolla and the Mazda 3. Last year, sales in this segment declined by about 8%. But Hyundai is doing well in the category with their i30 hatch and their Elantra sedan. They have just launched their new range of Elantra vehicles. There is not a lot of choice, but then again, the ones you get are pretty good vehicles. There is one engine, a manual and automatic gearbox, and two option levels, and priced from a recommended retail of 21500 to about 26500 But of course, plus on roads, add more, upwards of about 10% for that. I went on to launch, and while I was there, I caught up with a good friend, Barry Green, who is the editor of The Road Ahead. Now, that's the magazine of the Queensland motoring organisation, the RACQ. To chat about the new Elantra, Barry joins us on the line. Barry, lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Glad to be here. Thanks, David. It's always good to have a chat. I've got to say, we call this, I guess, the sedan, the i30 is the hatchback. But gee, it's not a boxy, three-box design sedan, is it? It's quite an elegant-looking car. Yeah, it looks more like uh, a four-door coupe. Um, it's mm. very much a sedan, of course, uh, in terms of its um, what it needs to do. But yeah, from side on particularly, it's got a very nice flowing line and uh, from low at the front to higher at the rear. And, uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, one of the better-looking small sedans around. A very smooth, almost fastback sort of look. Mm. They call it the fluidic sculpture. I don't think anyone who buys one is going to use that in a dinner party <laughs> conversation. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's uh, tech-speak, I guess. And, um, yeah, each company seems to be developing that. And, uh, you know, they're very proud of it. It's, it's, it's very much becoming part of their DNA. But, yeah, it certainly wouldn't mean much to, uh, to most people. <laughs> a single engine, two-litre. Is that enough power in that? Yeah, look, I, from from my impressions on our drive in Tasmania, um, I, I think so. You've got to remember the market it's it's built for and uh, the the buyer's expectations, and uh, I think it would meet that. It's certainly an improvement on the old 1.8. It's not not massively so. I mean, I think the uh, power's only up about two percent, and the torque that's pulling power up uh, by about eight percent. But yeah, look, it's. Um, yeah, it's a pleasant drive. It gets almost a little wheezy, or it's pushing hard a bit if you are revving it out. You know, for overtaking a vehicle, we took it through some twisty roads where you wanted to get past a vehicle and get past it very quickly. It did it comfortably, but nonetheless, perhaps it's not the most powerful engine around, but still competent enough. Now, if you look at a lot of the videos uh, of Hyundai, they always talk about design for the Australian conditions. They they hit a rough patch a few years ago where the press had a go at them for some of their vehicles. Now, every one of them has a picture of the car driving along a dirt road out in the middle of the bush. Uh, is, is it a good handling car? Does it suit our conditions? And if so, what the heck does that mean? Hyundai and Kia, their kindred cousins, so to speak, have invested heavily uh, with a lot of commitment in setting the cars up for Australian conditions. In the context of um, Hyundai, it's a chap called Dave Potter who comes from a World Rally Championship background, uh, an absolute guru of setting cars up by way of the springs and the dampers and, and all that sort of stuff. And um, I think I think, you know, like you've got to watch some of this stuff. Sometimes it's more rhetoric than actual reality. But I think in this case, it's certainly ringing true. I, I, it's a long time since I've driven the old model uh, Elantra, but 
I'm convinced this new one is a heck of an improvement, by the way, of the refinement of ride and also what we call NVH, noise, vibration and harshness. I think they've really moved on and... Um, hmm. And it only comes through hard work and commitment. They do it properly. We were talking about the A4 Audi that's been launched and the sort of work they do on that to the level of not just trying to smooth the lines of the, the roof line and, and the front and grill and so on. It's to do with every element of the car that might vibrate a bit or cause any sort of sound. Sort of features with it. One of the things is it doesn't come with huge tyres. The top of the range was 17-inch tyres. I think that's enough. Sometimes I think we go for really big tyres, which can make for a rather harsh ride. This is a comfortable ride. Certainly not firm, and mm. yeah, getting back to that tyre size, I think the problem here in Australia is with our back roads, the what we call coarse chip bitumen. Uh, the tyres get up there very, very much that uh, what we call tyre roar mm. or a rumble. Um, and look, just about every car does it, and uh, but it seems to be more accentuated on those bigger, bigger tyres, and particularly the low-profile ones. Big rims and low-profile tyres. You- yeah, we went on the Sportage the other day. It was a great car from Kia, um, but the, you know the top of the range, and it's an SUV, comes with 19-inch rims and low-profile tyres with it as well. It's got the active level and um, the well, let's see, the elite level is the second one. Active level still base model, but still comes with a, a lot of good features. Oh, it doesn't what? I was surprised to see Apple CarPlay in their you know the standard equipment. I mean, that's fairly new technology. To see it in a car just over $21,000, that's quite remarkable. I mean, uh, and of course there's other stuff too, the, uh, all, the, all that type of con- connectivity, the 7-inch touchscreen and so on. But good safety equipment too, like rear view camera and uh, park assist, LED daytime running lights and automatic dust. Until you have them, you, you don't really miss them. But by gee, when you do have them, um, you, you really... Uh, appreciate them. Every time we jump into a new car, we've got to uh, come familiar with the control system. To have something where you can plug your phone in and up comes the controls that you're used to on your phone. They've only got it with the iPhone at the moment. There's not there. They're not holding back. There's just uh, getting agreement with the Android uh, suppliers to be able to provide that as well. If you buy an Elantra now and the Android option comes out in a few months' time, it's just a software update, which they'll do for you for free. So great connectivity so that you're not getting all confused by how to find your messages or, or to dial on the phone. And I think it's not just from a convenience point of view, I think that sort of benefit. If, if a driver's less confused or distracted, they've got to be a better driver, surely. You know, they, they, mm. it, it stands to reason their mind and focus is more on the road and what they're doing, you know, they're by way of driving than, than all the periphery stuff. Look, some of the most dangerous driving I do is when A, I'm running late, or B, I'm trying to struggle with listening to a podcast or, or, or listening to the radio or, or selecting that or, or even changing. Gee, you know, I was in the Toyota the other day. We talked about the big uh, Land Cruiser. To change the fan speed became a two- or three-step process. <laughs> Ridiculous. The iPhone's not going to overcome that, but you, you know, the, uh, I, I think particularly as we go towards autonomous cars and we go towards perhaps not owning a car but renting it more when we need it, I know the car industry won't like this, but I, I think there's a need for some commonality. Oh, for sure. You find that, like, particularly 
guys in our position where we're probably driving a different car each week, uh, you know, you jump in and, and something that should fall to hand uh, and could easily be that way, you know, some conformity through uniformity across the uh, industry, you, you, you've sometimes got to second guess things. And, um, and that's ridiculous. I mean, uh, that's going backwards in, in, in design and build rather than forward. Yeah. The Elite, which uh, can go up to with the automatic, uh, costs uh, 26500 plus on-roads, of course. You know, uh, a lot of nice sort of little features to it, rear uh, seat cooling vents, um, uh, dual air, uh, air conditioning in the front and, and, and a range of things like that. Now, of course, they've still got the six-speed automatic gearbox. Uh, that's been a good one to them. Uh, and they're also thinking about bringing in a sportier model, the S. Ah, later in the year. Would that be good for the Elantra? Yeah, look, I, I pricked my ears up when I heard that. I wasn't really expecting it. Um, so far, the uh, the SR um, derivative, of course, has appeared with um, the Veloster, which is that uh, I think it's a, it's quite a good-looking little vehicle, a um, little hot hatch or warm hatch, you'd call it, and um, and it's being extended to the, um, to the Elantra, which... As I say, I wasn't really expecting, but I think it's got to be a good thing because at this stage there's only two variants and they're fairly similar except pretty well, you know, the spec level, same engine and, and transmission and so on. So I think, you know, by adding that, uh, it's actually going to have a two-litre turbo, which I guess will be the same as um, the Veloster. So it'll share a lot of commonality with the Veloster by way of setup and so on. But, um, yeah, look, I think it just it's just offers more choice and provided they can keep the price uh be interesting to see what they come out with but if they can keep it around the low 30s or something um it could do well for them because it, it the difference is with the Veloster and, and the Elantra is that it's the Elantra's got four doors so it's going to offer that a uh, little bit of a sporty drive but with a degree of practicality They've had the six-speed automatic, and it's a good automatic, and they've used it extensively. The the SR will come out with a seven-speed dual clutch, and they've totally redesigned the rear suspension. So it's not just a, a little bit of flashiness here, yeah. you know, an airfoil on the back and, and bigger wheels. It's actually got some serious, but not over-serious, efforts being put into it. So all in all, you've... You, it's still a good part of the market. One of the things they said was that we're losing people to SUVs, but it's not all one-way traffic. Some people have said, well, I've had SUVs, but now I think I might come back to the comfort of a sedan. You've got to say that a sedan this, and like this one, the Elantra, is easier to drive and, and, and more pleasurable in many ways than an SUV. I don't really get SUVs. I, I can understand people liking them and, and, uh, and going that way, but... To me, I've, I'm, I'm not totally convinced they're, they're as good as the, the sales um, suggest. And, and it's good to see, like you go to the US and the medium-sized uh, sedans over there are, are quite prolific mm. in number. And uh, as I say, I, nothing against SUVs. Uh, two of my three children drive them for various reasons. One, one for a perceived um, you know, um, safety. They like the high ride and the seating position and so on. And... Uh, and the other because he can use the four-wheel drive to uh, to get to the surfing beaches. So, but to me, no, I've, I I I really do like to see advancement uh, out there in the other categories because at some stage you would think the SUVs might peak, or then uh, at the moment it's um, it's certainly all the traffic's their way. But I I would wouldn't like to see development in the other classes stagnate simply because the SUVs are doing so well.
Indeed it is. Barry, it's always good to talk to you. I do enjoy it. I've had some lovely conversations, both uh, on radio, but also uh, on launches and that. And this is a great example. Thank you very much for your time. Good. Thank you very much, David. That's Barry Green, the editor of The Road Ahead, which, of course, is the magazine of the Queensland Motoring Club, the RACQ, uh, which, of course, uh, like all motoring clubs, actually does great work, not only in terms of road tests, but also in terms of research and, and about the use of the road and what we might need as a good transport system. And you can get a longer interview if you would like to hear more from Barry by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcasting from iTunes or any one of your favourite podcast providers.